0: So if you go to the back and turn left, um, if the Bible's new to you, you'll run into it pretty quickly. And uh, we'll be looking at uh, verses 8 through 11 this morning. We won't uh, get through that, uh, 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 all of that, so uh, when you see me running out of time and we're not even remotely there, you'll, uh, you'll be calm. uh, But I I will glean a little bit out of verses 5 through 7, which we examined last week, so I want to start there this morning. Verse 5. But I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain but left their own abode, He has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness, for the judgment of the great day. And as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to those having given themselves to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. And likewise, for our purposes this morning, also these dreamers defile the flesh, They reject authority, speak evil of dignitaries. Yet Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. But these speak evil of whatever they do not know, and whatever they know naturally like brute beasts. In these things they corrupt themselves. Woe to them! For they have gone in the way of Cain, have run greedily in the air of Balaam for profit, and perished in the rebellion of Korah." Let's pray together now. Father, we're so grateful for the faith. We're so grateful for Your Gospel. We're so grateful for Your Word and how You have used it by Your Spirit to change our lives and to bring us into a quality of life, in this life, to say nothing of the one to come that is beyond what we could have ever dreamed in terms of possessing hope, possessing peace, confidence, all of the blessings of knowing You and walking with You. And Lord, as You call us in Your Word now in our time in human history to not only receive of that faith and all of its blessings, but to as needed to contend for that faith. We pray that this morning as we turn to Your book, to the Bible, that You would we claim the prayer, really, of what Jesus prayed so long ago before His cross to You, and that is that You would sanctify us by Your uh, truth and that Your Word is truth. Sanctify us this morning as we study Your Word, and we ask for this work of Your Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. As we've seen in Jude's letter, he had intended to write an entirely different letter, a letter celebrating our common salvation, but something had arisen that was so alarming to him related to the church that uh, by the Spirit of God, he set that uh, probably human correspondence aside And then now wrote this letter inspired by the Holy Spirit, a letter of very, very strong encouragement, but a letter of very, very strong uh, exhortation, and uh, in which he calls upon us to contend earnestly for this invaluable thing that has been entrusted to us, and that is the faith, the teaching of uh, the Word of God. And in the face of, and he calls on us to contend for the faith in the face of two very particular dangers that uh, they faced in their church and in their personal lives. As he declared that certain men had now crept into the church or into the churches and uh, were very, very secretly and stealthily advancing two errors. And the first of what, which they were teaching was that. They were turning the grace of God into lewdness, that is, they were advancing the idea that you can live any way that you want as a Christian, live even in complete violation uh, to the faith, to the teaching uh, of uh, the Word of God, and, uh, and God's grace will cover it. And it's interesting that these uh, false teachers, they didn't teach, uh, they didn't attack um, the theology uh, uh, of the Bible uh, per se, in the sense that they didn't attack uh, the the virgin birth of Jesus, the deity of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, these kind of things. Uh, what they rejected was the moral demands of Christianity, uh, of God, and of the Bible. The second error that they were advancing Uh, And uh, is closely related to the first error that they were advancing, uh, and that is uh, in uh, teaching this uh, false form of grace, they were denying the Lordship of God the Father, the Lordship of Jesus Christ in the Christian uh, life. And so they were teaching rebellion against God's commandments, and thus rebellion against Him, and uh, rebellion against God's absolute authority in Christianity because everywhere in the Bible uh, God condemns the very sins that uh, they were advancing. What Jude does now is you come here to verse 8 in this letter is very, very fascinating. It's a a remarkable letter that he wrote, of course, by the, the Spirit of God. But it's so practical what he does for us here. In verses 8-11, through Jude gives us the characteristics or the personality traits uh, that mark the lives of these false teachers, uh, these false influencers within uh, the body of Christ. And and he gives these personality traits to us uh, as an explanation for their apostasy and their self-deception. And so, Uh, these false doctrines, these false things that they believed and were advancing, they came out of a a deep stream within their lives, a very flawed uh, stream within their life that he proceeds to expose. And he exposes them and their character with, I think, three purposes in mind. Number one, so that when we see these things in another person, that we will recognize that that person is dangerous to us spiritually. And to then be wary related to these characteristics and someone who is advancing spiritual truth and, uh, and, and not to come under their spiritual influence. But it also has a very practical and personal side to it as well. Because these characteristics then led these people into their error. we have to be careful as he lays out these uh, personality traits that if we recognize those same things to be present in our own lives, to realize that they are just as great a danger to us spiritually as they are to them. So it's a chance to uh, look at our lives and say, wow! Uh, That is a very strong uh, trait in me naturally speaking, and I need to be careful of that. The third reason that this is invaluable to us is that very often this kind of person, and they are without number today uh, in the United States of America in in professing Christianity, is that they tend to always come across as very humble, uh, as very, very uh, meek kind of people, very, very nice people. And, uh, And God wants us to realize that behind all of that facade, this is what is in their heart, is God looks at them so that we're not fooled by the words and we're not fooled by the outward presentation as to what they really, uh, really are. And uh, so, uh, this is the kind of... Uh, uh, of this is the, the, why this, pa- this section is so, so helpful to us. The character and the characteristics of these uh, false teachers, and here I think it's important to just jump back in for a brief time into verses 5 through 7. We examined it last week with the main theme of that being Uh, don't follow these people because they're headed toward judgment. But that isn't the only thing that Jude was bringing out in those uh, verses. Uh, You notice he begins there in verses 5-7 through to reveal their character, to reveal their characteristics there. You notice the first word of verse 8 is the word likewise. So he is building... Uh, there in verses 5 through 7 into verse 8. And so part of what he says in 5 through 7 is this uh, exposure of their ungodly character. And uh, in, in applying, as we saw last week in verse 5, in applying the events of Kadesh Barnea uh, to them, where the children of Israel refused to enter into the promised land uh, as God had commanded them, they did it on the basis of of the bad report of the ten spies, and on the basis, uh, and and they uh, responded to God's command with unbelief—a deliberate uh, unbelief uh, response to that. And Jude uh, was revealing there that this kind of person views uh, obedience to God's commandments as entirely optional. You can obey them, you cannot obey them, without consequence. You can fabricate and make up your own Christianity by virtue of what commandments of God in the Bible you choose to take seriously and obey. Others you're free to ignore. And so all of us are free to fashion our own individual Christianity based upon our own personality, our own likes and dislikes, and uh, this is the way that they viewed uh, the, the, the commandments. And they possessed no fear of God in their disobedience. And they believe that when obeying a commandment of God uh, is something that is uh, fearful because of the step of faith that is required, or obeying the Word of God uh, requires a denial of self or that it requires uh, a sacrifice on my part in order to obey it, then we can simply disregard those commandments that God has put uh, in His Word. It's also interesting, I think, that when you look at that whole scene at Kadesh Barnea, that they responded to... Uh, all of what was happening there not on the basis of god's word not even on the basis of actual physical fact as uh, all 12 of the spies brought back pomegranates and figs and clusters of grapes testifying to the fact that the promised land was everything that god said that it was so they didn't respond to it Uh, on a reasonable kind of level, how they responded to the command of God in the light of the circumstances was entirely emotional, entirely emotional. And the reason that that's uh, significant for us today is that uh, in the culture that we live in the United States of America, uh, linear thinkers are disappearing. Uh, people who look and say, well, you begin here and let's reason this thing out. Uh, they're all in some engineering office or uh, accountants somewhere. Uh, but today the whole trend of the culture is to forget reason. Let's not discuss this. Let's respond to everything emotionally. And that's what they did and uh, and, and uh, disregarded the Word of God. and And it was a a a disaster, and so we apply that to ourselves and to to our present circumstances. How many professing Christians do you know, don't shout out please, who view God's commandments in exactly this way? I will fashion the Christianity that I want to have, and I don't care what the Bible says about this or about that. I feel completely free uh, to uh, ignore uh, its demands. And they view these things, God's commandments, as entirely uh, optional. And uh, they take the ones they like and they disregard uh, the others. And there's a lot of people uh, like that. And it's one of the characteristics of this kind of person that Jude is warning us about. And so then we ask ourselves, and in that threefold application here, we ask ourselves as Christians this morning. Uh, are we allowing this kind of a person to influence us spiritually? Whether it's a mom, whether it's a dad, whether it's a, uh, an author of a so-called Christian book or whatever it might be, uh, am I allowing this kind of a person to be an influence into my life spiritually and morally? Uh, and then vitally, am I a Christian this morning, in the privacy of my own heart, that, that uh, if the truth were made known, this is precisely how uh, I view the commandments of God myself. And if a person were to objectively look at my Christian life, uh, if they knew anything about the Bible, they would recognize it to be true of me. I obey what is convenient for me to obey, uh, I obey what I like to obey, and then I feel completely free to disregard uh, the commandments uh, that uh, I don't like. And if that does mark my Christian life today, to realize how dangerous this is, where it leads, and to uh, repent of any casual attitude toward the Word of God and His commandments this morning. The second trait that we see here is in verse 6, where we saw last week in applying the fall of the angels who did not keep their first estate, but they join Satan in his rebellion against God and against God's authority, against God's plan and purpose for for them. And in this, Jude is revealing uh, them to be rebellious toward authority uh, and rebellious even toward God's authority. And we need to be very, very careful not to give a place of spiritual influence in our lives to people who are naturally rebellious toward authority. And there are people that are born that way, more so than other people, just as this is the the diversity uh, of of human beings. But it is uh, not a good trait. And to look at that and to realize this is by nature a very, very rebellious person toward any and all uh, authority. And not to give that rebellion and that attitude uh, any kind of a place in our own lives or to give them a place of spiritual influence in our lives. And as with the devil and as with the angels who followed him in his rebellion against God, when it's directed toward God's authority or God's appointed authorities uh, in the world and in the church, it's always a mark of Tremendous pride it takes a lot of pride for a human being uh, that wakes up every morning with terrible breath and is completely unpresentable to the world. Uh, that I'm going to wake up each day and in the deterioration of my own flesh, determine that I know more about God uh, than uh, I know more about life and things than God does. And, and, but this is the rebellious person and, and how convinced they are uh, of, uh, of uh, uh, all, that they, uh, all that they know. And it's a mark of, of stunning pride. And the Bible teaches that this kind of person is headed for great trouble. Famously, Proverbs chapter 16, verse eight, 18. Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Very often people will quote it and say, "Uh, pride comes before a fall. That's not what it says. Pride comes before destruction and a haughty spirit before uh, a fall. And I could tell you stories all morning long of the disasters that have befallen men and women that I have known personally in the long years of my Christian life, 40-some years, who convinced themselves that this trait of rebellion in their lives uh, toward authority, it was actually a virtue in their life. And they viewed it even as a virtue in their Christian life until ultimately the bottom fell out somewhere along the way in their lives. and Rebellion against God's commandments under the influence of pride, it is the oldest sin in creation. It is the very sin that was committed by the devil uh, uh, way back I- at the beginning and it's still as dangerous as ever on an individual level. Samuel the prophet, he spoke to uh, Saul who had a, uh, the same kind of casual attitude toward obedience to the Word of God. Uh, that you could obey it when it was easy, disobey it when you wanted to. The Word of God, you're free to rebel against it. And Samuel... <clears throat> Caught up with Saul, and Samuel said uh, to him, 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry because you have rejected the word of the Lord. He has also rejected you from being king. The highest expression of rebellion in a person's life is when it is directed toward God and toward His uh, commandments. And so we ask ourselves here this morning, uh, is rebellion and pride uh, a strong natural uh, personality trait of the flesh of uh, the adam uh, nature do we consider it to be a virtue in our lives do we consider it to be a strength uh, in our our lives and uh, so much so that we've decided to bring them uh, out of our former life and now into our christian Uh, uh, life, and to give them free reign. And these are very dangerous sins, and it's to play with fire. It always ends badly, and uh, not only for yourself or myself, but any that would come under our uh, influence. And so we really need to heed Jude's warning and repent of them if this applies. I I tell you, I have met so many people through the years, and, I, and there's a rebel in all of us, from Adam and Eve, of course, but people who uh, so many uh, within this church through the years and uh, who viewed this as a virtue and, uh, and at the moment it looked so innocuous, it looked so harmless, and then now you watch where it took them over decades and the horrible, horrible price they and their families ended up paying uh, related to this. It's a needed warning from Jude to all of us. The third characteristic of these certain men that were bringing this ungodly influence into uh, the church is given to us here in verse 7 in applying the judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah <clears throat> to, uh, uh, that occurred to Sodom and Gomorrah because of their sexual immorality. And Jude was, is revealing here, uh, he's revealing them to be the kind of Christian who are especially rebellious toward God's commands concerning sexual purity and sexual morality. And in these kind of people, and these kind of certain men as, uh, or people as, as Jude puts them, usually the very first thing that must go of the moral demands of Christianity are the restrictions on sexual expression. And we saw how prevalent that kind of uh, view is even among Christians in the United States today in a previous study as we gave some of the, the statistics. And these kind of people here, they work especially hard to attempt to get Christianity to accommodate the sexual immorality of the world around us. Whether that sexual immorality is uh, heterosexual sexual immorality or homosexual sexual uh, uh, immorality. And this is always a dead giveaway that you're dealing with this kind of a person. You're dealing with this kind of influencer, this kind of apostate that Jude is warning us uh, about. And then to uh, recognize that they are apostate and avoid following them in their sin and uh, in their deception. It's interesting that always when you see the fight, Against Christianity, on the moral demands of Christianity, uh, you never see uh, a fight against uh, honesty, or not stealing, or any of the other commands that might be in the Scripture. It all the the, the pressure point is always in this realm of sexual. Uh, morality and sexual immorality because we live in such a sexually immoral uh, world. And, uh, and so to recognize when somebody starts to try to massage the Scriptures to accommodate sexual immorality, you're looking at this kind of person that Jude is uh, 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 warning us about. But it also then challenges us again in the privacy of our own hearts this morning to examine our own lives and to ask ourselves whether we've come to view uh, God's commandments related to sexual purity as optional? Do we view them as excessive for the year 2021? Do we view them as outdated or as unnecessary as well? And if if that is, uh, again, sincerely our view of God's stand in this area uh, of the Christian life in terms of the moral demands of Christianity, then the importance of repenting uh, of that. And all of this rebellion towards God's commandments, it reveals this willful, uh, tragic, misunderstanding of obedience to the Word of God. Obedience to the Word of God is an absolute privilege. It is a marvel we have a Bible. It is a marvel that we have commandments, that in obeying them we will never be disappointed for the life that unfolds uh, in uh, doing that. His commandments are not burdensome at all. Every command He gives in His Word is for our good and every command is given in in as an expression of his love toward us Uh, a good verse to write down related to this first john chapter 5 verse 3 the apostle john writes for this is the love of god that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome and uh, uh, and it is the The commandments of God, the privilege of obeying them, but it's obedience to His commands that leads a human being into true freedom uh, in life. Jesus uh, said to the Jews who had believed in Him in John chapter uh, 8, as they had now chosen to become His disciples, He said, if you abide in My Word, and and that means to obey it, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And we live in a culture that views the ultimate expression of freedom to be, the freedom to choose whatever sin I'm going to put myself uh, into bondage to. And that is a, such a shallow, tragic understanding of true freedom. And Christianity offers something that is infinitely better. And with that, we move formally into uh, uh, Jude's likewise uh, section there as he continues this thought as well uh, in verse 8, as he continues to expose the, the character and the characteristics of of these apostates. You notice in verse 8, Jude tells us that they are uh, dreamers who defile the flesh, that is uh, they live lives uh, they were living lives that were defiling to uh, the flesh, defiling their flesh and this is talking about the sexual immorality that they were uh, practicing, and when confronted with their sin as a justification for uh, their clear violation uh, of of the Word of God. Uh, as a justification for their sin, they claimed that what they were doing is all right because they had received from revelation from God in the form of dreams, in which He communicated to them that the dream, that the immoral life that they were living uh, was okay with Him. And these kind of, uh, of people will often attempt to come across in this way as kind of super spiritual. As they're, uh, they get revelation from God that we don't get, and so they're always at least slightly more spiritual uh, than the rest of us, and uh, slightly more uh, spiritually enlightened than the rest of us, and they they do this as a means of attempting to intimidate the person who would dare to call them uh, into account for their violation uh, of the Scripture, and in order to Uh, cast doubt on the spirituality of anyone who would uh, dare to challenge them. Or I think even uh, more effectively, uh, they will use it as an attempt to silence any uh, critic who would challenge their lifestyle on the basis of the Scripture. And what they like to do is they like to paint a person who would do that to them as being self-righteous in doing so. But to point these kind of things out and to condemn them, uh, as needs to be done in contending for the faith, is not a mark of self-righteousness at at all. Jude, as he describes them here, as he confronts the sin in their life, he is not being self-righteous at all. And neither are we being self-righteous when uh, leadership in a church or even as an individual, we confront the sin in our children or we confront the sin in another Christian because of the sin that's been committed against us. That is not uh, self-righteousness. But this is a very crafty way in which uh, the argument gets turned around in uh, our society. The truly arrogant and self-righteous uh, they deflect any the attempt now to examine their lives by calling their accusers self righteous and it 's very effective because very often uh, Christians can be bullied into silence when uh, somebody calls us that you 're being self righteous none of us wants to be known for that in in our Christian life because that looks nothing like christ, so we 're sensitive to to the the accusation because we don't want to come across as self-righteous in the view of others but it is never self-righteousness to make a stand for righteousness it is never self-righteousness to make a stand for god's commandments that's not self-righteousness that is uh, righteousness and uh, and especially as we make a stand for Uh, God's morality as it's revealed in the Scripture. Being righteous and being self-righteous are two entirely different things. And we are called by God to be righteous as Christians. There is nothing wrong with that. Uh, And we are never to compromise righteousness in order to try and avoid an unwarranted accusation of self-righteousness Uh, 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 against us in in our culture, even within the church. Self-righteousness is when I come across to other people that somehow my salvation, God's work of salvation in my life, and God's work of sanctification in my life, making me like Christ, that somehow I don't owe that entirely to God but that somehow these two great things have been accomplished in my life by virtue of something that I have brought uh, to that. And it is to fail to recognize the grace of God in our lives, in our being saved, and in God making us more and more holy and more and more like Christ. And when we come across as if, uh, when we think that that we have played some kind of a major role in that uh, and forget that God has done all the heavy lifting in that, then we will come across as proud and we will come across as self-righteous, ascribing the quality of our life to uh, uh, ourselves. The Christian who knows that God has done a miracle in our lives in saving us and in sanctifying us, will not come across as self-righteous. We will come in our interactions with other people uh, with a humility in offering them the same opportunity to be saved, the same opportunity to be sanctified by God, to be made like Christ, that God would do the same thing in them, that He is, has done in us and is presently uh, doing in us. But this attempt to justify their uh, sinful lives by claiming uh, divine revelation in doing so uh, is something that uh, I have heard so many times through the years. But it takes a different uh, form. Uh, today, you almost never hear anybody say, well, I know the Bible says this, but um, God gave me a dream and told me that this was okay. Uh, here is, here's usually how it, it, it comes forth today. You know, I know the Bible forbids this, but I just have a peace from God that this is okay. I just have a peace from God that this divorce is okay or that this sexual immorality uh, is okay, or this compromise is okay. The glaring problem with that is that it's plainly stated in the Word of God uh, uh, and through uh, the prophet Jeremiah and the Old Testament. And that is namely this, that any vision or any dream or word of wisdom or word of knowledge or prophecy or any spiritual gift or revelation that we claim to get from God is always to be tested by the Word of God for its validity. We never test the Word of God by some individual word that we believe that we have received from uh, God, And that's exactly what they were doing, endeavoring to justify their clear violation of the Scriptures uh, by this special revelation that they had received. Let me read a, a brief passage to you from Jeremiah that uh, speaks to uh, this Jeremiah chapter 23. God said through Jeremiah, I have not sent these prophets, uh, yet they ran. I have not spoken to them, yet they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel and had caused my people to hear my words, then they would have turned them from evil, uh, uh, the evil way and from the evil of their doings. I have heard what the prophets have said who prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. This is as old as the Old Testament. How long will this be in the heart of the prophets who prophesy lies? Indeed, they are the prophets of the deceit of their own heart, who try to make my people forget my name by their dreams, which everyone tells his neighbor as their fathers forgot my name for Baal. The prophet who has a dream, let him tell a dream. And he who has my word, let him speak my word faithfully. What is the chaff to the wheat? In other words, these dreams were chaff compared to the wheat of God's word. Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? Therefore, behold, I stand against the prophets, says the Lord, who steal my words, every one from his neighbor, Behold, I am against the prophets, says the Lord, who use their tongues and say, He says, referring to God. Behold, I am against those who prophesy false dreams, says the Lord, and tell them and cause my people to err by their dreams and by their recklessness. Yet I did not send them or command them, therefore they shall not profit uh, this people uh, at all says the Lord. And Then in verse 8, as these characteristics are continued, he, he continues to give them, uh, Jude tells us that these kind of people, they reject authority. In other words, they not only reject the authority of the Bible, of the Scriptures in their lives, but they reject all God-given authority within the body of Christ. They reject the authority of pastors, of elders, of other leadership within the church uh, if uh, those leaders call on them to repent of their sin or of their false doctrine. And again, this uh, kind of a person is proud and they're rebellious. They have a real problem uh, with with authority. Well, we can hardly expect a person who uh, is rebellious toward the Word of God to then not be rebellious toward those who minister the Word of God or rebellious toward uh, a, a human being that God has placed within a, a position of authority to, uh, to withstand this kind of error. And so with this kind of person, there's no authority uh, in, in heaven or on the earth that they will not slander, that they will not attack, that they will not tear down In order to protect their uh, heretical views. And everyone who must be slandered, everyone who must be discredited in order to protect their views, they will do that. And they will work to destroy anything and everyone who disagrees with their view. And you see this kind of thing all of the time. Uh, And in their Really profound arrogance and ignorance, they would be willing to destroy the biblical Christianity that has changed human lives for 2,000 years, changed human eternities for 2,000 years. They will burn the entire thing down if that's what is required to accommodate their low view of holiness and the lordship of Jesus in the Christian life. And usually, and most often it is, in order to accommodate the practice of some sexual immorality within their lives. And again, the pride and the arrogance behind uh, this kind of an attitude is just uh, uh, jaw-dropping. And they will work to undermine uh, the authority. They will work to destroy any leader who stands between them uh, and that goal, their goal within the body of Christ. And uh, such rejection of authority within a church to biblical instruction, of course, is uh, rebellion against Christ Himself and against His lordship in their lives. But it works. But it works. And the problem is, is that it not only works in terms of them trying to uh, propagandize the world, but also to try and convince and sway people in the body of Christ. Because they know so well, they know how to make it appear that they are the poor, innocent, powerless victim of some impersonal, religious machine uh, that is, is bullying them and beating up on them, and, uh, and people buy it. I have no doubt that the reason this kind of thing and these kind of people are cre- increasing in professing Christianity in the United States is because of the fact that we so nurture rebellion within our culture. We view it as a, a virtue. And, uh, and, and we nurture rebellion without even causing people to stop and think about what the foundation is for that rebellion. And so you see it. Why would anybody be surprised when our major cities are on fire? We've nurtured rebellion for 50 years within this country. That there's no authority but individual authority. That you're the most important person in the whole world and that the whole world exists as just sets in your play. We're all just props for you to just do whatever you want. That's how important you are. And you can't do that generation after generation without paying a price for that within not only the culture, but then to have it be so dominant within the culture that it's then brought into the body of Christ and then even viewed as a virtue within the body of Christ. But the end result, of course, uh, 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 of this is that if they're allowed to prevail, this kind of uh, rejection of authority on, on the physical realm or on the spiritual realm, all it ever can produce, uh, ultimately, is, is pure uh, physical anarchy and spiritual anarchy. Because if there is no ultimate authority and everyone is free to do whatever is uh, uh, in their own minds, which, which encapsulates the whole book of Judges, one of the darkest uh, seasons of history among the children of Israel, then you can't have anything else uh, but, but anarchy. But that spiritual anarchy is not to enter into the body of Christ. And these people are to be exposed or to be recognized for what they are uh, by, by virtue uh, of, of this. And then uh, they were told that they speak evil of dignitaries, but it's going to take me too long uh, to uh, bring that out uh, this morning, and I want to leave you uh, longing rather than loathing. Uh, so, <laughs> you've already said, too late. Uh, you're ten minutes too late on that, um, but here as we look at Jude and we stop kind of mid sentence in his thought, it's enough really to to think about for a week on on its own, and it's powerful enough to search our own lives, to examine what kind of voices that we are allowing to influence us uh, spiritually, most Im- importantly, and uh, uh, and. Uh, and who to reject, uh, giving that place of influence to, to examine our own lives for uh, any kind of presence of these very same things within our lives and know they, they will lead us to the same place that these uh, heretics uh, it, it had led, led them. And then also not to be fooled when these very, very crafty people and uh, very well-spoken people, and people who know how to present themselves very well have now written a book about why uh, the Bible's views, especially on sexual immorality, are outdated, and we no longer need to take them seriously as Christians. And so, the people that Jude is talking about here They uh, view obedience to God's commandments as entirely optional. They're rebellious toward authority, even God's authority. They're especially rebellious towards God's commandments concerning sexual purity. They live sexually immoral lives. And when they're confronted with their sin as a justification for their clear violation of the Scriptures, they'll claim a special revelation from God and uh, that God has told them that their immoral lives, their living is okay with Him. And then they not only reject the authority of the Bible uh, in their lives, but they reject any God-given authority, uh, even within the body of Christ, pastors, elders, other church leadership, if that leadership calls on them to repent of their sin. And that's quite a lot to look at and to look at related to our own lives given how much these things are again nurtured within our culture and are now present within um, uh, professing and public uh, Christianity. Let's stand together now and we'll close in prayer. Father, we thank You for how very, very practical Jude gets here in allowing us to spot people like this, to know what we need to spot in them, to search our own lives for these very same things, and then, Lord, to not be fooled by how they present themselves. And I pray and we pray for one another that You take these handful of things that we've looked at today and You would allow them to do their full examination of our own lives and our own associations and our influencers in our life under the power and the leading of Your Holy Spirit so that we would not be fooled by them or moved from a place of contending earnestly for your faith, the true gospel, the true Word of God that changes human lives and changes eternities. And Lord, we want the world to see this work, this gospel, Your truth at work in our lives, and not some cobbled-together thing that a bunch of people who don't know what they're talking about that are driven by lust and emotion are trying to replace it with. And we pray and ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.